Welcome to the Fair Chase Podcast. It's like, yeah, it's going to be physically it's hard, suck, but it's also like the best. Later on, that's the story you tell. I got a new strategy. It's, you just go kind of lick your finger a little bit like this. Aim high, play the wind. And then you aim high, you play the wind. It's a new aiming technique that I'm working on. You brought this up. Yeah. It's because you had target panic so bad. Yeah, I didn't have it so bad. Before we jump into this episode, we have to thank a few companies that make this show possible. First up, Vortex Optics. We run their binoculars, spotting scopes, and uh, a lot of their clothes in their Vortex wear line. Quality hoodies. sweaters and hoodies, t-shirts, hats. Yep. Uh, you can save yourself 20% on that stuff. Buy. Ooh, it's a new code. The code TFC20. Check them out. Next up, Trophy Line. Trophy Line. No secret, we are saddle guys. We like to hunt in saddles, make the jokes if you want, but yep. they're super light, super effective, and we're big fans of Trophy Line. This year, we're going to be running the Mission Platform or the EDP Platform, EDP. depending, and uh, running the Covert Light. Yeah. Nice and light saddle. Lots of good adjustability on that. I feel comfortable walking with that thing out in the woods. Go yep. check this thing out. Use the code TFC10 to save yourself 10% on the next purchase. Next up, Prime. The bow that got me to switch back. I think I feel like I got you to switch back. You did, but but I like. But it was it's a big because part. of Prime shootability, shooting your bow. Their accuracy. Uh, we're big fans of Prime. They're Michigan company. Jared's shooting the Nexus Four. I'm shooting the Nexus Two this year. Go check them out. G5Prime.com. Jim and Georgia from Bivouac Bow Co. make some beautiful bows. Everything from three-piece takedowns to one-piece wood bows. Uh, everything's really beautiful. Made in Michigan. Go check them out. BivouacBowCo.com. We uh, we're big GPS map users on our phone. Um, I get tend to get lost a lot, and Jared you do tend to get lost. A lot. Jared can't always be next to me. When you don't have Jared with you, you can have a little Jared in your pocket. Gross. <laughs> It's an awesome platform. We know the guys. They're local here in Grand Rapids. And you can actually download other apps, stand locations, plot locations, whatever pins that you have, you can download them onto the HuntWise platform. So you're not, you can, give you it a try. can just hit the ground. And you're not losing your research. Yeah. So go check this app out, HuntWise.com. You know, I was actually asked this weekend if we weren't partnered with Vector and like I had to shoot a different arrow, would I shoot Vectors? Oh, yeah, for sure. And I said, yes, of course. Yeah. I love them. I shoot extremely accurate with them. I've never broken one. Yeah. And the sweet thing was is you pretty much just tell Isaac and the guys over there your draw length, draw weight, and I think your tip weight. Your tip weight, and they have a – And then you customize the whole thing. And you they can do it right tip, online. cut, and everything. You don't have to mess with the bow shop or anything like that. Check these guys out, VectorCustomShop.com. For 10% off your order at checkout, use TFC10. Good luck out there. Shoot straight. Welcome to another episode of the – Fair Chase podcast. Today we have a very special guest, uh, Justin Czar, bow hunter die. Justin, I've been watching you hunt for many years uh, on the that. computer. You, just make me, you make me feel old. You are old. <laughs> You're not young. I, I mean, I am old for sure. Uh, I was. Is he older than us? Yeah, you're older than us. How old are you? I turned 41. Uh, no, you two didn't. Days ago. You play two young. I will say that. You seem, you seem mid 30s. You, you play young. Wonderful. Wonderful. <laughs> yes. yes. No, I um I used to watch when you guys were newer. Um, I remember watching. You were one of the kind of the first web show, hunting web show-ish kind of things. Sure. And so you kept me away from my studies in law school for a long time. So I appreciate that. Uh, I've and, heard that a few times from, from people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not necessarily law school always, but uh, kept them uh, from doing what they should have been doing. Exactly. In school. 
Yeah, I mean, you got to be the vice. Somebody's got to be the vice. And so uh, sure. glad to have you here. Um, For people who don't know who you are, let's just start off and maybe, you know, introduce yourself, who you are, what you do. Oh, man, that's a that's a great long story, right? But obviously, as you guys introduced me, my name is Justin Zarr. Uh, I live actually here in Illinois. Uh, what I do for an actual job, a real job that pays the bills is uh, I run an IT consulting and a web development company. Oh, nice. Uh, what I'm not doing that. Uh, we run bowhunting.com, and then we have Bowhunter Die, which is our uh, online show that we have been doing for 12 seasons now. I think we're in our 12th year of doing it. Started in 2000. It's weird how this works. We started in 2010, but somehow this is our 12th season. Yeah, right. Um, so 11 years, 12 seasons, however you want to call it. But I think we started bowhunting.com in 2008, I want to say it was. So thir- yeah. 13 years of, of doing that, and then... Um, you know, 11 or 12 years of doing, doing the show now. What a great domain name to jump on. Also. Yeah, that one, that's all Todd. That, was <laughs> that good. one wasn't me. Yeah. That's like uh, bowhunting.com. Yeah. Like that's pretty good. Do you get, do you get offers? Have you ever gotten offers to like buy the domain or anything like that? Yeah, I'm sure Todd has. I mean, um, so Todd started. So prior to bowhunting.com, really when I started working with Todd, it was, I think, Oh four, I started working with Todd Yeah, and, um, he owned huntingnet.com at that point in time and hunting.net. And, and what the, the history there is when he got out of college in the mid nineties, uh, the internet was kind of like becoming a thing. So yeah. he just, uh, started going out and buying domain names. He had no idea what he Smart. was doing, what they Smart. were going to be worth. So he maxed out every credit card he had. This is when domain names cost like a hundred bucks a year per yeah. domain. And I think he, I think today he owns about 1600 of them. I think at one point he was up at like 2000 of them. Um, but yeah, he had huntingnet.com and hunting.net and a bunch of names like that when I started working for him. So we had huntingnet was our first website and I kind of jumped in and kind of, kind of quasi took over running that for a few years. And then we sold it in 2007 uh, and then started bowhunting.com in 2008. So the company that bought hunting.net and huntingnet.com, they didn't want the whole portfolio of domains. They only bought maybe five or six of them. Yeah. Uh, so Todd held on to the rest of them. And then we started bowhunting.com in, in uh, 08, but he owns like elkhunting.com, turkeyhunting.com, foodplots.com, bearhunting.com, I think a uh, bunch of, bunch of different ones so yeah <laughs> that's awesome well i i you know i, I was kind of doing some research and that was like one of the, the things that came to mind like how do you i'm glad like so somebody has to pick up like the basic bow uh, hunting.com yeah. domain names that's pretty cool yeah todd bought it from a lady uh in canada actually that owned it <laughs> and she wasn't even into hunting the way we are she was into uh like hair hair bows or something like that i don't even know why she, wow. she owned it so t- she so Todd bought it from her in the, sometime in the late 90s, 80 or 98, 99, something like that, if I recall. He bought that name from her. I think him and one other person were trying to get it from her, and she just kind of liked him better, I guess. Oh, hilarious. So I uh, ended, up, ended up selling it to, to him. So that's, that's the history of, of bowhunting.com. That is that's not bad. That's sales right there. I mean, you got to be light. You, they got to like you if you're going to be good at sales. When you yeah, have for that, sure. to sell. Yeah, that's right. So uh, – yeah, you, you bought this domain name. You started bowhunting.com, bowhunter die. You get that going. What what made you think to do kind of a web-based video format? Because you guys were one of the first ones, I, I think, that did that. Is that right? Yeah. So um, Todd and I, I mean, so I grew up, right? Uh, my dad owned an archery shop when I was young. Grew up watching. I Like I would sit around after school, 
watching hunting videos from oh, like a yeah. little kid, like Fitzgeralds and Oh, Roger the Fitzgeralds. Oh, right. You guys are you guys are Michigan team boys, right? Fitzgerald? I mean, yeah, Dan, Dan and, and guy. Oh yeah. We're our I've been trying to get them on the podcast forever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I mean, grew up watching like those guys, Bob Fulcrod, you know, Chuck Adams reading his yep. his articles and books and whatnot. So that was kind of my up- upbringing was really kind of in the in the bow hunting space. So that's kind of my history. You know, Todd was you know very much the same. You know, grew up you know as a bow hunter. He, nobody in his family bow hunted. He just kind of got into it on his own. His yeah. Family hunted and deer hunted, but he kind of got into bow hunting on his own. And uh, whacked a pile of little bucks up in up in Wisconsin, where his nice. parents' property was at. You know, growing up, and uh, you know that was kind of always our our passion. So we decided to to do bowhunting.com. But even before bowhunting.com, when we had hunting net, you know, we got into filming our hunts. I want to say it was 2006 or 2007. So uh, to make a very long story somewhat short, you know, we had. Through the web development work we do, we do a lot of work for folks in the hunting industry. And back in the in those days, we were doing Lone Wolf's website. So when Andre still owned yeah, Lone yeah. Wolf, him and Todd were kind of buddies. Well, I think one of my first ATA shows, I met Andre. And I met a guy uh, that was about my age that was working in Andre's booth at the time named Todd Pringnitz, who started White Knuckle Productions eventually. So mm-hmm. Todd and I became very good friends. Another Michigan guy, right, yeah. kind of from your guys' area over there. So Todd started White Knuckle. And he was like, he needed people on his team to, to film. Yeah. So Todd Graff and myself, really, that was the first time we went out and bought cameras, old Canon GL2s and started filming our hunts was for White Knuckle um, when we first started. So then, you know, we were filming for him. Todd was doing DVDs at the time. Yeah. And then we started bowhunting.com. And I think like a lot of people that, that are filming for somebody else, you know, what ends up happening is, um, you know, we go through an entire season. We film all these hunts, all these encounters the storyline and then you're just kind of a small part of someone else's bigger story right right so uh, a white knuckle dvd would come out we'd get our little five minutes yeah of, right you know a video in there and it was cool we'd watch it with all of our buddies but we're sitting around going like my gosh we have all this other footage like what are we going to do with it right. and i remember i uh, i had left to go on an elk hunt uh i came back from that elk hunt in colorado and i came to the office and todd was like we're going to start a show and we're just going to put it on the internet. And I was like, all right. Like nobody was really doing that at the time. This was right around the time. I think the first three was, was us, uh, Winky with Midwest Whitetail yeah. and then Grant Woods with Growing Deer. We were kind of the Those three, three originals. Dudes. Yep. <laughs> Those were kind of the three originals. So we all started right about that same time, like 2010. Um, had no idea what the hell we were doing. You know, if you go watch our right. old episodes, they're, they're like atrocious to watch because we had no idea what, what we were doing, but kind of just started from there. And then we started kind of growing our team out, you know, through people we knew and people we met and it kind of just took on a life of its own, you know, really. Uh, and here we are 11 years later, you know, still, still doing it. Yeah. Still doing a lot. of And you That's said awesome. you're in, you're in Illinois. So you're a bears fan. Oh, I am a bears fan. Dang well, it. how do we feel about Justin Fields? Are we going down this uh, road right now? A minute, we, we are. Okay. Yeah, everybody in Chicago feels the same way, right? Like yeah. we all, everybody's hoping he's the the savior of the team. Yeah, right. But uh, looks like we got Dalton to start the season here, so we'll we'll see what happens. I don't mind Andy Dalton. No. So uh, we'll see what happens. He's not the worst. He's been good for a while. He is. He is. You can't throw. He's a permanent backup. Against. Uh, you cannot throw Fields in against uh, the Rams week one. That would be that would be mean. Probably to not do a it. good idea. You'll break them. We broke Trubisky. We can't do it again. 
Brisky was. He's just bad. I oh, think. poor Mitch. Poor Mitch. I know. He just destroyed. <laughs> Whatever. Us you guys last are ecstatic to get him out of here. Yeah. It was just a failed experiment. Yeah. Are you guys? You guys Bears fans? I'm a Bears no. fan. He's a Lions. fan. I'm a Lions fan. I am a Lions fan. Well, I mean, you suffered just as long as we have. So. Way longer. <laughs> They've never Way not suffered. Longer. We know. Yeah, but I mean, like the Bears won the Super Bowl. I was five years old. Like I don't remember it. Right? Yeah. And then they. <laughs> yeah, but you can still claim it. Remember when they went though? That was cool. What's that? <laughs> I said, remember when they went though? Remember when they went? That was cool. Yeah, yeah. I remember when they went. And to this day, uh, the the Monday after the Super Bowl is the only time I've called into work because I was too hungover to actually work. <laughs> That's, after that, that was the. That, the um, the hangover in my life. <laughs> that oh. was the year James actually became a Bears oh, fan. Oh, please. A real bandwagon fan. No, so the, the most excited I've ever been in any sporting event was the opening kickoff of the Super Bowl. The Colts yeah, decide cool. to kick to Devin, Devin Hester. Hester. He ran it back, and I, I thought that was like pinnacle, probably the best moment of sports that I've ever seen. That was pretty amazing. Not going to lie. Like, yeah. I was at a bar. All my oh, friends. Oh, that would probably be pretty like, cool, too. It was, it was like, oh, my God, we're going to win the Super Bowl. Yeah, that's <laughs> like, what I thought. Like, it that way, you're like, we got this. Yep. But no. not so much. No. I, went, I went a year went later. Went down to Peyton Manning in yeah. Harrison. Uh, and uh, Tony Dungy. Oh. No, yeah. so I went the next year. I went to Soldier Field. And I went to – maybe it was the year prior. The Bears were playing the Broncos. Uh, J- Jay Cutler was on the Broncos at the time. And uh, and Hester ran a punt and a kick back while I was there, and it like the place was shaking. It was just going so nuts, um, and we won in double overtime. One of the best. One of That's the best. That's probably games. really good game to be yep. at. Well, Soldier Field is cool. So back yeah, to great. back to hunting. Um, so you uh, you started this this hunting show. Um, what made you think that you were worth watching? Ooh, it's a great question. Really, I think we're like everybody, right? <laughs> I mean, yeah. like. Honestly, I'm not sure we were, we even thought we were worth watching. Right. We were just like, we have a website, we need content for it. Yep. So, and we're already making videos, so let's just start putting them out. Yeah. And, you know, I think, you know, and not that this hasn't been done a million times over, but people, you know, they kind of play the, the every man angle, like, hey, like, we're just regular dudes. And yeah. I think, you know, for most of our guys, like, that, that's the reality of it. Like, we are. Like, I have a legit full-time eight to five five day a week job i don't get to go hunting for a living um so we were just guys that were passionate about doing it and thought we had some interesting stories to share yeah you know so we kind of just did it i don't think we ever thought anybody would really watch it yeah (laughs) to be completely honest with you we did set out with that goal in mind we were just you know we had this website we had people writing for us we had people coming to the website we had a lot of history with buildings websites and we're like we need content seems like people are watching more content online yeah. uh so we're like let's do this and let's see what happens yeah um you know and and you know i think you know fortunately for us we were one of the early adopters right so when there's very limited amount of things to choose from like you <laughs> your grandfather didn't watch you and yeah yeah we're grandfathered right whether we're good or not <laughs> we're kind of grandfathered but you know fortunately we seem to have been at least fairly successful at it so yeah i mean uh to be honest with you, I don't know what made us thought we were good enough. I think we all just wanted to, 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 you know, I grew up like the guys that I really grew up watching, like besides the Fitzgeralds, and it was really Drury Outdoors. Oh, like, yeah. Drury Outdoors kind of through my high school years and, and just out of high school. And I mean, I can remember waiting for their videos to come out, and, like driving to Bass Pro Shops, like the day they were oh, yeah. buying them. 
and going home and watching them. So like, we always just wanted to film our hunts and like make videos, I think is what we wanted to do. We didn't really give much thought in whether they were very good or not. We just <laughs> wanted to do it. <laughs> well, you know, it's funny. Uh, people do work that working man angle a lot, the podcast, but like Jared, uh, he, Jared and I are elite. We're actually only catering this podcast to the elite uh, people, the, the one percenters, mm-hmm. if you will. You know, everybody Fair else, enough. you Make can turn it off. You know, we're, yeah. we can't relate. We're no, no, the that's of the best. Exactly. No, we're, we're the, you kind of see the same thing. Everybody's got kind of their full-time job and then, you know, their part, their part-time job or however you want to describe the, uh, what you do with hunting and like the hunting it's industry is a the job. Passion. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. It's, uh, a, it's something you care about. Money, yeah. It's like, how do I figure out a way to do the thing I like best and then hopefully cover some of my costs? And mm-hmm. that's about it. You know, yeah, pretty much. Oh, no, that's really cool. Uh, no, and and even just like wondering what's the you know, what, what makes you worth listening to yeah. or watching. I've thought that a lot. Like, we never thought about that at the beginning when we started the podcast, but I asked somebody else the other day the same thing. Like, why do people, why should people listen to you? I'm like, man, I never actually thought that about myself, and I yeah. could not give a great answer, which is you know, why we asked. I you. really like to hunt and talk about it. That's about it. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, and, and everybody, and we've had a lot of conversations through the years, um, you know, about, you know, direction, storytelling, yeah. uh, quality of footage. I mean, the, the, the reality is in today's world, like, there's more content out there than ever before, oh, yeah. you know, whether it's podcasts or YouTube videos or other Roku channels or anything like that. Like, there's an infinite amount of content to pick from. So you have to, it kind of forces, you know, like, competition is good, right? It raises everybody's game. Yeah. So forces everybody to start instead of just being like, Hey, I'm going to go out and film something like it kind of forces you to take stock, figure out what your, your goals are. Um, and then have a plan hopefully, and then kind of work towards that plan. Yeah. So yeah, we actually just this past weekend had uh, the majority of our team together. We usually like to get all the guys together once a year. We usually like to do it earlier in the year. Mm -hmm. Um, but with COVID and everything, we kind of pushed it to later, which obviously didn't do us a whole lot of good because a couple of my guys missed the meeting because they have it right now. Um, but we try to get together to kind of talk about the fall and what kind of our, our storytelling is going to be like, what, what our goals are for the fall, um, things like that. So we had, I think, 13 or 14 of our 20 guys you know got together this last weekend and, and did that 20 guys how'd you guys build a team yeah. like that hey man i know a guy i know a guy yeah it's yeah, like I is that how, how it went yeah. so our core group is a lot of guys that have been with us from the beginning it's to be honest with you it's a funny thing it's like a bunch of guys that we met on the internet in, yeah. in the early early days of doing this guys that we met on the forum that were you know friends of ours that wa- kind of signed on and wanted to do it a um, couple guys that we met through White Knuckle, actually, when we were filming for them. A couple guys kind of hopped over and joined our team. Uh, and then from there, you know, every year we get people that come to us and say, hey, I want to do this. I want to be a part of the team. So we do have like a, an application process. We kind of make people go through. Uh, and then, you know, if we get somebody that kind of catches our eye for one reason or another, you know, we may give them a shot. Yeah. Uh, we've had some hits. We've had some misses yep. through the years, you know, with, with team, teammates. It's, just like any business, right? You don't get them all right. But, um, you know, we've got a really good core group of guys. We haven't really added many or any any new folks in the last couple of years because trying to just manage a team of that size is a uh, pain in the ass in and of itself. Right. So, uh, yeah, I mean, we've just kind of picked up, you know, we started with maybe eight or 10 guys. I think we were as much as 25 or 26 at one point. Now we're at like 20 um, plus Todd and myself. So 22 if you count us. Yep. You know what? We've learned from history is what? that great 
associated groups are built in a bar. In a bar. In a bar. Our best relationships, you're saying? No, I'm saying the best groups of things. Yeah, okay. So, go born ahead. or die. Yeah. Born in a bar. Okay. Marine Corps, Ton Tavern. Oh, yeah. Born wow. in a bar. That's a reach, but all right, yeah. You know, That's I, a big comparison Did I there. just compare them to the Marine Corps? You did. No, but you just get a bunch <laughs> of dudes we'll take it. sitting around, and they're like, yeah, I'll do it. Yeah, that's right. You know? That's right. I'm, where do I sign? Yeah, yeah where do I sign? Right. But, no, I get it. That's uh, being able to reach out into the community, even if it's in, like, a close proximity of your close friends. They may know somebody or, like you were just saying, how you just can get connected by and to other people in the industry, just being a part of the industry. Yeah. It just reaches yeah. – you can reach out and just touch so many more different people. Oh, yeah, I love that. Love meeting new new people. Mm-hmm. A lot of people know a lot of stuff that I don't. Which is pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. And that's, exactly. a, that's actually one of the things we just talked about at our meeting is like every guy on our team has got his own unique spin on the way that he does something, whether it's the way that he approaches hunting, how he sets up his gear, how he like everybody's got something that's unique to their way and their style. And our goal for this year is to try to get that story out of each person. Yeah. You know, so if everybody watching the show can take away one little nugget from somebody. Yes. Yeah. You know, just something that they do that's unique to them where somebody looks at it and goes, Oh, that's kind of cool. I didn't think about that. Yeah. Right. Um, I, I think that that would be worthwhile. We actually um had a couple guys out, some some new guys uh that came out to the meeting this year and they were showing us like so I know you guys do some saddle hunting as well, right? Yeah. So this is kind of where saddle hunting's new for everybody right but really new for us i mean i've been hunting out of a lone wolf for the last 15 years and now we're you know trying the saddle thing out so you know we had some some more experienced saddle guys out kind of just showing us a few tips and how they do things and set things up and pack their gear in and whatnot and it is amazing oh uh, those little details make a big difference in your hunt oh huge for saddle hunting it's amazing that the hit, I guess the history of the saddle and how long it's actually been around. I know. Well, it, it like went live for a while. Everybody kind of forgot about it. I, w- I said on the podcast for a while, I had like Steve, 15, 16 years ago. My cousin Steve told me at one time I was asking about it because he worked at Cabela's. I'm mm-hmm. like, hey, have you heard this saddle thing? He's like, yeah, it's you hit one wrong button, your whole saddle falls out of the tree. <laughs> I'm like, really? He would say something. Yeah, like that. that doesn't seem like – you don't want that. One wrong move, dude, you're, you're dead. That you're would dead, be bad. Yep. You're dead, you're dead, you're I dead. I got a funny picture. I'm going to show – I got it on my phone here. I need to show you guys. So, like I told you, my dad owned an archery shop when I was growing up. Subscribed to every bow hunting magazine there was. We got yeah. Peterson's Bow Hunting, oh, yeah. uh, Bow Hunter, Deer and Deer Hunting, North American Whitetail, you name it, I read all of them. And – um my dad passed away a few years back. I was cleaning out his house. We had a big stack of magazines and I kept a, a handful of them sure. because I thought they're pretty cool. So I don't know if you guys would be able to see this, but this is from a Peterson's bow hunting magazine in 1989. Oh, Shoot. Yeah. Look at that look little at that strap. Thing. And look at that bow. Getting you to subscribe to their magazine. That's 1989. That magazine was from. Hilarious. Saying, right? They've been around for a long time. Been around. Yeah. I've been, I was one, a one year old. When, uh, when that, that, that doesn't look very safe to me. No, he looks like he's going to spill right off the top. It <laughs> looks weird. Yeah, no doubt. And he's just, he's just got his feet right on the tree. Like the technology has come a long way, but, um, so I, you guys work with the trophy line, right? Yeah. yeah. I think. So we're, we're working with the guys over at Tether now. So sure. I met Greg and Ernie and, uh, you know, they came out to our meeting and I was talking to them, you know, about some stuff with the saddles. And it is just amazing, like, how quickly it's blown up in the last couple of years because it has been around yeah. forever. Like, yeah. I'm, a, I'm a forum guy. Like, before social media, before Facebook, like, we had forums, mm-hmm. message forums. I like forums. But I've been around 
around them all for, and then around him and kicked off a lot of them. For oh many yeah. Years, Forums had the know? original emojis. And, uh, I feel like the, the yeah, original little the, the one with the the, the guy drinking the beer, <laughs> or yeah. you know, Bart Simpson, the or, little smileys, the yeah. smileys. Like I everyone... can remember, like once a year we'd get somebody that would come on the forum and start a saddle thread. I mean, this is going back to the Hilarious. early 2000s, you know, and we were all like, seriously, dude, yeah. saddle, like just, just go, get out go of here. away. Get Beat out it. Here. Beat it, dude. Weirdo. You know, and now, you know, you look at what's happened really in the last probably three years, I yeah. think it's been, uh, it's incredible. I mean, it's just absolutely amazing. The amount of companies that are springing up, the amount of updated gear that's coming out with platforms, climbing methods, it's rope attachments and, aiders and holy crap there's more stuff that i could keep up with no like, holy shit i need all this stuff to go saddle hunting well you want to talk about how everyone has something different and how they've got a, their own set and process yeah talk set. to a saddle hunter it's about, always different you do stuff that's different than what i do well he does it wrong you do it wrong well, i'll do it right because i'm right-handed yeah that, well and yeah <laughs> i mean i mean everything from like literally we're right before you popped on we're talking about how we're gonna i got these amsteel rope mods for my yep. so i've done rope mods in the past but i've got amsteel which are like way thinner and way lighter and so that's like my innovation of the year but every single year my you have two innovations what's my other one you wrote oh, tape the pre the i just pre-wrap. yeah i used uh like self-adhesive camo tape no it's athletic pre-wrap is it pre-wrap it's is that athletic pre-wrap athletic pre-wrap no it's camo. not no it's not it's self-adhesive it's self-adhesive itself. that's right it looks like pre-wrap yeah and i taped my sticks my platform it is like you can you can hit on it it's totally silent i don't know if it'll last a year that's the big question and it costs like 12 bucks for like 12 of these rolls on amazon yeah you could so well, like uh, spend 50 bucks they make the stealth strips right. which are a little bit more expensive um which i love i like i oh, yeah i strip everything oh yeah they, they all i don't know a while ago where they were selling like odd size like rolls of it or something and i bought like a dozen of yeah, them smart see i was just like eat all give me all of it i love it yep we, gotta i've got a guy in the, the strike when the pan's hot. i've got a guy in the tape game yeah yeah man and he's uh he's looking into some solutions for us some tape oh, solutions. i love to hear that so I, I just told him what i needed he sells like to like home depot and you know big companies and i'm like here's what i need this kind of tape and so he's he's looking into it for me He's doubling, redoubling his efforts. He's going to come back and give me a report on something that might be. You piqued my interest. Now yeah. you have John my cool. attention. Yeah. Especially if you're going to put it on your platform. Yeah. Right? It's got to gotta be durable. Yeah. And it can't squeak. I've had some squeaking <laughs> tape or like I, I sprayed it with some stuff and it ended up like my boots would always squeak on there when it was, especially mm. when it got a little yep. wet. Mm-hmm. Can't have that. Um, all right. So you mentioned, you know, everybody in your team, you, you're focusing on like what their unique thing is, maybe what their unique approach is. What's sure. your unique approach? My unique approach? Oh, gosh. Yeah. Yeah. What do you bring to the know. table? I mean, yeah. What is it? That far, guys. I just had my meeting this weekend. I got, <laughs> I got What, like, what's your, so uh, let's do it this, this way. Like, He's got written down in his arm right yeah. now. One second. Um, <laughs> yeah, hold on. I'm a good yeah, leader. <laughs> yeah. I bow hunt or die. Uh, so, like, are, you know, are you mobile? Are you, you know, do you, are you heavy into the scent? free game mm. like what's your what's your approach are you aggressive do you sit back and kind of move in more tactically how do you look at hunting uh man it's funny how that changes through the years right yeah <laughs> uh, man i'm a i'm a bit of an enigma i think okay. i'm a little bit of everything right so um i've got a couple farms that i hunt that i've been hunting for a long time so i do a ton of pre-hung stands yep 
And I'm still going to go on record by saying that is my favorite way to hunt. Sure. I like the saddle. I like being mobile. I also like climbing into a lone wolf that I've already hung. All my gears there. Takes I three minutes. Yeah, it's awesome. You just show and up and everything's awesome. there. Of the run and gun thing mm -hmm. too. Like, that's exciting. I like checking out new areas, doing new things. But after like a few days of doing that, I'm like, you know what? I just want to go climb into a pre-hung sand and, and chill, <laughs> right? <laughs> Three months in a while. You know what they call those people? Lazy. Yeah, no, day, no, no day. I'll say this: day five of yes. hunting morning and night, setting up a tree stand in the cold every time. It does wear on you. Kicks it's on a you, mentally, man. it's mentally taxing to do that. Yeah, I hear you. Yeah, there's no, there's no doubt about that. So for me. Um, you know, my priorities have changed a little bit. My oldest child is old enough to go hunting with me now. He nice. shot his first year last year. Nice. So, you know, I, I dedicate probably a good chunk of the early part of my season to taking him out as much as I can, mm -hmm. trying to get, get him a deer. Um, hopefully once I kind of get that out of the way, if I'm, if I'm a good guide again this year, yeah. then I can right. kind of do some of the rut hunting. Uh, I am definitely more of an aggressive hunter for sure. Um, I have no problem diving in and, and going after them. I think as I've gotten older, I've realized that we do have a limited window and a limited amount of time exactly. to do this. So, um, and I also, I think that we tend to give deer too much credit at times. I think that people often, uh, push off traits of human beings on the deer, yeah. not realizing that it's just a deer, right. right. And it can't make connections that, that we think they make. Sometimes, so I think people uh, pussyfoot around a little bit too much with yeah. uh, getting in and getting after them. So I do like to, to be more aggressive uh, when I can be. I usually, when I do kill most of my deer, um, usually late October is my favorite time to hunt. Last week in October, uh, I kind of suck at killing deer during like the main 10, 12 first days of November. And then usually after the 13th, 14th, I, I have pretty good luck from there through the 25th or so. Um, of November are kind of my favorite times to hunt. I just, something about that first week, week and a half of November. I know everybody yeah. loves it. Sweet November and yeah. catchphrases. Yeah, I, I, I kind of suck at it. So, um, I like to figure out where the bucks are at, you know, last week in October and, and get in and get after them if I can. So that's, that's my, my thing is really just, I'm more of a, I always, I look at hunting from like a really macro level, like sure. a high level. And I try to figure out, you know, what the deer are doing. Sometimes I think when we look at movements and things, we look at it in such a, a narrow scope yeah. that we miss kind of the bigger picture of it. So I like to kind of zoom out a little bit and I'm focusing more on those macro movements than I am like the micro, but it is interesting because when you're bow hunting, the micro is what, you know, leads to success, yeah, right? right? You have that larger overview of what they're doing to figure it out. But when you get there, the decision of the right tree versus the wrong tree can mean success or, or not success. So mm. you kind of have to get at both, but I tend to play the, the bigger game is really what I'm trying to look at um, in my hunting. Yeah. You miss the four. Uh, what is it? You miss the forest in spite of the trees. Right. And so sure. I, I get that way a lot. I get very hyper-focused on a very small thing and then you kind of forget what's going on. Um, well, it's, it's interesting. You say last week of uh, October, um, what, Jared, uh, what, what uh, quote is that from? That's just like a saying. It's this a thing. Like a, it's known. Okay. It's like when in Rome. This is known. You can't see the forest for the trees, right? That's yeah. The, that's the yeah. thing, right? Yeah. 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 I like it. Or like you're. I know a, I've heard it before. It's not, it's not my first time hearing it. I just want like, to know if, if it came from somebody. It's like one of my favorites. Sometimes the juice ain't worth the squeeze. That is. You know? 
Overused. No, <laughs> it's it's awesome. Uh, no, my, I actually, it's it's funny you say last week of October. Uh, Jared and I are going to a place we've never been, an island in Lake Michigan to hunt. You know, take a boat out there, uh, which I got set this week. You're welcome. Oh, boy. Uh, but, you know, it's the last week of October, which historically, actually, I've not done great. I'm fine early season. I've done fine in you know, the November, early November period, but like that last week of October, what's your, what's your approach? Like, say, say you're in our shoes, you're going to a new area. It's an Island that is only inhabited by people hiking through. It's uh, North Manitou Island for anybody that's listening. Uh, how would you, how would you approach something like that? Uh, if I was in your guys' shoes, I'd be hitting the ground running, scouting, yeah. fresh sign. Got to get, I mean, especially at like any new spot you go to like sign ski, find the deer, get aggressive, get on them. You probably got a limited amount of time to hunt. Yep. I'm guessing like a few days yep. late October. So the, I'm looking for fresh rubs and scrapes fresh. and tracks like period. That's yep. what I'm looking for. That's what I'm setting up on. Um, you know, the bucks are active that time of year, but they're not, what I like about it is they're not like crazy fast cruising around like they are during the rut, especially for guys like us self film a ton. Yeah. Um, Self-filming during the rut, like the peak of the rut, totally sucks because the yeah. deer are just running everywhere. You can't get them to stop. Late October, like they're moving with purpose, uh, but they're not running with their mouths open and their tongues hanging out yet. Right. They're not completely clean, uh, but they are definitely, provided you got decent enough weather, they're going to be on their feet. They're going to be moving. Uh, scrapes. I love scrape hunting the end of October. I think that's probably the best time to do it. When are, those you, are you are hunting over them? Are you, like you throwing a stand like um, right by them, or what? Are you hunting on the way to them, or what are you thinking? Um, I'm not necessarily hunting right on top of them all the time. Uh, in a lot of cases, you know, where where we hunt, um, a lot of the scrapes like that, there's just no good trees around like to actually hunt. We got these big, huge, overhanging branches on the edges of fields, and you yeah. can't really shoot to the scrape. So I will hunt in sight of them, but usually not right over them. I don't think I've ever killed a buck on a scrape. Yeah, but I'm definitely watching and monitoring scrapes because i know they're going to be in those areas for sure yeah mm-hmm. no that's that's kind of how what, what i've been thinking too i mean we've talked about it a lot lately it's just uh getting out of the mindset that you know looking at the map and deciding this should be a good spot and i mean sometimes it's helpful and sometimes it is a good spot but half the time it's like that should be a good spot well you have to go and check um because yep. it could be there are no tracks no you know scat no bedding no anything and you got to move um and so my hope is for that island, we could just take a lot of the hiking trails. trails. Like deer, deer are probably used to people walking through all the time, um, and so it should be should be an interesting hunt. But I figured, you know, if that's your specialty, we gotta we gotta use any tips you have, any tricks late, you might have. Late October evenings, mostly. I mean, I've killed a decent amount of them in the mornings as well, but late October evenings, um, just near fresh sign. I mean, that's that's the the number one number one thing that I'm looking for. And, you know, a lot of us get complacent when we hunt the same farms year in and year out. And we kind of don't do a lot of that in season scouting. Again, I think a lot of people are like scared. They're scared to walk woods. They're scared to bump deer. They've got their sanctuaries and all that jazz that they've heard about. I'm, I really don't believe in any of that. Really? So you're (laughs) just going right in and just checking. I just, just dive right in. You know, if you jump a buck, like you jump him, he's not going to be gone. I'll give you a, a wonderful example. So one of the guys that films for us, Clinton Fawcett, he's down in central Illinois. Yep. He's in Fulton County. He's got an absolute giant deer that he's chasing right now. Was a, this deer was probably a 160 inch three-year-old last year. He let him walk late season, blew up. He's a, I don't know, 190 some inch, you know, four-year-old this year. This deer's out in a field feeding next to a road every day where everybody can see him. <laughs> Clinton and his have been going out there 
getting out of the truck, running after the deer, to scare it out of the field because they don't want it feeding in this field or anything. People know about it, yeah. And the deer comes back every day in this. They've literally got out of the truck and chased him really? on foot, <laughs> yelling at him. Hey! hey you get. And he's still coming out every single day oh, in the yeah. same spot. Like, now. Chased by him five times. I feel like I would, like, opening day. Yeah. Camel up. Actually, no, I'd probably just wear street clothes. Yeah, just walk. Every time, run like, right at him. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> run right at uh, him. These idiots. these idiots again. Whatever, <laughs> yeah. dude. The problem is our opening day is too late. Are you guys October 1st, first, or are you yeah. earlier? First. first. Yeah, October 1st is just like, I feel like between now and then, everything changes so much. Dude, between yeah. like the la- like the, like November, September like 20 and October 1, it's totally, like, you can't even rely on, I always put cameras out and I'll see bucks and it's like, oh, September 25, he was there. Sweet. Oh, over and over and over again. No. And I'll go right there and it's October 1 and he's not even in the area anymore. Yeah, I see that a lot. I was just, just complaining to one of my friends about that the other day. Because, like, so where we're at in northern Illinois, like, our acorns are dropping like crazy right now. Our white oaks really? are raining acorns, and the deer are absolutely hammering them. But the problem is, by the time the hunting season rolls around, most of the trees are done dropping, and those deer are moving off the acorns. Like, if I could, if I could, if we opened, like, September 1st, yeah. I got a couple bucks I could probably go kill you know, right now I know where they're at. They're in there every night chowing acorns. Um, but by the time I, once, once the velvet comes off, once the, you know, temps cool a little bit and those acorns start slowing down, things change quite a bit. And if we get the right temperatures and yeah. we get that nice cold snap, like the first couple of days of October, seems like you can have pretty good luck. Yep. Um, but you hit it just right. If we get a year where it just doesn't line up, really hard yeah so i'll get like I'll, often i'll have a very good october one two or three period and then yeah. it's like kind of slows down until the end of october again uh yeah and that's and obviously you know, we've, killed, yeah killed a handful of them like 18th yeah. 19th 20th um i know todd graf has as well so i mean it, it, but again like every time we we do that it seems to coincide with a pretty good weather front yeah you know you got to have the right temperatures. If you get if it's too warm in the middle of October, um, just seems like there's not a whole lot you can do with that. They, so. they move to and they move to entirely new areas. Um, a lot of times they move. Yep. They're pressured super hard in the first week and a half, two mm-hmm. weeks, and they'll go yeah. to private or they'll go just deep. And you know, it's not the lull. I, I don't. I wouldn't say that's a thing. Uh, but they do change significantly, and it's really hard to figure out. It, once you do figure it out, I mean, you can find a lot of success. I know some guys that do, but mm-hmm. it's not easy to do. Yeah, it certainly isn't easy to do. You know, I've got so on a, my home farm, uh, the one that's closest to my house here. We've got a deer out there this year. He's seven years old, Jeez. and um, he he's, he moves in about the middle of October, or middle of August, I should say. About when our acorns start coming down and like clockwork he moved in again this year i'm getting pictures of him constantly and by i think the latest i've had a picture of him in october is maybe october 5th okay and then he vanishes gone don't see him again some years he shows up like near the tail end of our season maybe yeah. late december early january other years it's not february not until february when he shows back up but he's basically gone all of october all of november usually most of december and then he comes back. I don't know where the hell he's going. Uh, obviously, he's not getting killed wherever he's going to. He's smart. There's a reason. Back mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But um, we're kind of uh, – so uh, my buddy that I hunt with, we're 
trying to formulate a plan where if we get, you know, good enough weather, those first couple of days of October, we're really going to try to go after him hard. Cause we have a feeling he's going to, he's going to disappear. And one of these years, he's not going to come back. Yeah. So we're going to, we're going to give it our all this year and, you know, see what happens. Well, some year, some coyote is going to get him or a car or actually I just yeah. saw this, um, video i think it was like what is that nature's metal or something like that yeah this, uh, this i love that instagram oh page. dude it's so, good. <laughs> it's so good this deer is sitting there in a, a, a i think it was a lynx they i think it was in it's canada tearing its guts out and it just jumps out of the snow and it takes down this full doe or yeah it was a doe takes it down like takes it down and it's literally like on its it's only like this big compared to the deer on its mm. neck it's incredible um so anything yeah. can, everything wants to kill him so it's like you feel like yeah. you only have limited time and the fact that it's lived what seven years that's that's pretty incredible it's amazing you know when he was two and three he was on our farm all the time you know we found his sheds um saw him all fall and then something happened when he turned four he found a rut spot or a fall spot that he liked better and yeah. he literally just poof you know disappeared and, and i haven't yet to figure out where he goes i know some of the guys that hunt around us you know allegedly nobody's seen him or gotten pictures of him so I really don't know what he does. He crawls into a bunker somewhere yeah. and just lays low until the rut's over. I think it's not bad Our, for us. They always go deep in the swamp. If you find, if you yeah. go in the swamp, that's where we get a lot of swamps where we hunt. We're swamp people. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, we're I'm like suburbs of Chicago. We're like the outskirts of the suburbs where this deer is at. So okay, I don't know if he's he could just be going into a forest reserve. Really? Oh yeah, well, that's where'd you where'd you shoot yours in, in Illinois? That that big buck you shot was that oh, Juliet? Juliet. Where are you? Juliet. Yeah. Of us, yeah. Yeah. Were yeah. you on the on the public down there or were you on was, private? It was private. You had it was a, a company, a large company there had land and you knew a guy. You were dating a girl who had uh, her dad <laughs> had access and Jared got yeah, one hunting uh, before they broke up. Got that was one a in. good move. <laughs> good for you. Yeah, that's yeah. a great area. There's a big uh there's a big national I don't know prairie down there that's got some public hunting and it was closed for many 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 years it's the old joliet arsenal is what yep. it was it's called hmm. the day one national tall yep. grass that's where jake Heitman many mm. yeah it was closed forever to hunting and then they opened it up in the first couple of years they opened it up like some absolute slammers came out of that place giant giant deer it's a hard spot to hunt i've walked it a bunch um you know we i never really hunted it because you had to have filming permits because it was yes. national yep. park service done or that whatever stuff before. but now that that's all been overturned and they they ruled it uh, i guess illegal to make you have a filming permit in national parks i've thought about going down there and checking it out um snow motorized vehicles so you got to park and either walk or, or ride a, a bike in yep so it's a cool place man i, I it's a cool place down there i've been meaning to get down there and hunt one of these years i'll actually do it uh, that was the place so my brother-in-law used to live in uh homer Glen, if you know where the area okay. is right right in yep. there he went to midday and he's like hey man you know he had just started hunting i got him into it he's like i'm going to midday it's kind of the rut like what should i do like i'm like i don't know it's illinois you know i've not spent this is probably seven eight years ago i'm like i've, I've not spent a lot of time in illinois i know that there's not a lot of hunting pressure you get, you got to go balls to the wall, get some some urine, some estrus, and just you know do a drag line and just see what happens. Sure. You know, I'm like plus it's his first time. If a small buck comes through, he's gonna like lose his mind. It'll be sweet. So he goes out, he drags a line, and then he just keeps dragging it, and he sits on the ground, right? And so he literally dragged it right Drags to him. and drops it right next and to just him. right next to him. So he's like, I'm sitting there in the dark, and I I, I look up and there's a moose in front of me. He's, I'm like, what are you talking? He's like, there's the biggest buck I have ever seen. And he is 
10 feet. He followed the drag line and literally walked up to Jake in the dark. So he's like, you can just see this guy is kind of getting light and you can just see the outline of this deer, like on top of me. And he's like, I freaked out. So I went, huh, you know, and tried to like scare him away. Cause I didn't know what to do. And so I'm like, well, you're, I, I should have told you, you know, don't drag the drag right up to where Jay you sit down. Right to you. Cause I gave him, I want to say, I gave him the spot to sit. I mean, it worked out beautifully. It was a good ground blind spot. Um, but yeah, you can't drag it right to you. Yeah, it's funny the things that uh, beginners do, right? That that like more experienced guys like we take for granted. Yeah, I talk about this with guys on my team a lot when they're like explaining their hunts to people or coming up with content. Like all the things that we take for granted that's like second nature to us. Yeah. Like I go out and hunt with a couple guys that haven't been doing it, you know, super long, and, and like I notice the mistakes that they make, and I'm like, well, what the hell are you doing? Yeah. But they just don't know. Like nobody ever told them they never really thought about it they never Man. lived through that experience so i think there's always a lot of room to educate people there about things that the more experienced guy like it's second nature to us like we we think about it but we don't think about it at the same time right and if we don't think about it because of second nature sometimes it's hard to teach somebody because you're not even thinking about it well and sometimes so when you're not thinking about it you just don't do it yeah like sure. I, i'll i'll just kind of like i'll take it for granted. And then I end up not doing it. Or I always have to correct Jared. Like half the time he's in the woods, just walking around like an idiot. You know, I got to really rein him in with the basics. So you're welcome for that. Got to learn how to be quiet when you're walking. He just runs around. Actually the buck run. That's a discussion for another time, but Jared does the patented buck run during the rut. And I mean, it brings the bucks in for miles away. So anyways, well, Justin, I appreciate you coming on. We're coming up on time here. And you let me yeah, get one last shot in at Jared before the end of the podcast, which is always a win for me. Um, but for, for people who are listening and they want to, like, check you guys out, what's the best way to follow you? I know you guys have been hunting already. You're, you're, you're looking at doing some more stuff. Where, where can they follow that stuff? Yeah, I mean, well, obviously the website, right, bowhunting.com, best place to go. Uh, obviously you can look it up on Facebook. We're just Facebook slash bowhunting. We were lucky enough nice. to get that one. Um, and then Instagram, we're at bowhunt or die. Yep. So one of those three places is your is your best option. Or go to YouTube and just look up bowhunting.com on YouTube as well. We're all over the damn place. Yeah. Well, thank you for coming <laughs> out. We appreciate it. No, I appreciate you guys having me. Thank you very much. Yep. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening to this episode. We really do appreciate it. If you want to go on to any kind of social media platform, give us a like, share, subscribe. You know, it really helps us out. keeps the train rolling. And if you guys really like what you're listening here, give us a five-star Either way, if, even if you don't like it. Even if you don't like review. it, five stars. That'd helps everyone cool. out. We'll see you out there.